Owls America's podcast episode number 26. We are without our fearless leader Jeffrey Paternostro tonight, so you'll have to hear my voice a little more than normal, so I apologize for that. However, we do have a full cast otherwise on the line, so first our Manhattan Owl recording straight from his closet. James Allen, how's it going, James? Good evening, Evan. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm recording from. I'm back in the closet. Um, I don't know what that means or construes, um, but yeah, I've uh, I've noticed the last few weeks that my my audio quality has been turning into something of a man in a uh, sort of a volume um, space, booming at, at the sound of his own voice. So I've tried to reduce that by going into my bedroom closet. So I'm surrounded by clothes. Um, I've got uh, my wife's uh, uh, well dresses in front of me, and uh, I'm re- ready and raring to go. You, you know what? I'm not going to be able to take this seriously the entire night. I can imagine you in a co- in a closet in New York too. This is a New York closet, I assume, not like a spacious closet that you get in like uh, one of these millionaires' houses. How much space are you working with, guy, James? Um, I've, I've got about enough space to stand up. I'm, I, w- I was about to say I must be the only person uh, in the world that's got a a mic arm installed in their closet but I'm, I'm told this is actually a podcasting thing so let's see how it goes i've got i've got my beer in the closet i've got enough space to sit down things are good and, and i would be <laughs> remiss to not ask you what you're drinking uh i am uh, i'm drinking a farnham uh 36 which is a coffee porter from vermont um it's uh, b- blended with ethiopian west conga coffee awfully sourced and roasted by vivid coffee in winooski uh, which I guess uh, rescues my uh, hipster credentials while I'm uh, sat uh, surrounded by <laughs> cardigans and, uh, and various other pieces of clothing paraphernalia. You know, it sounds like you're in a closet. I don't know how that's possible because you put the picture in my head already, but it does sound like you're in a small, confined space. Uh, I've got a box of my uh, of my running shorts to my left if that had to the visual image. Is Gordon the gopher in there with you? Uh, I, I'll, I'll introduce Ed Duck after half-time. Well, speaking of hipsters, we have Andrews. What? We have Luke <laughs> Andrews Hacken, still trying to figure out his name after 20 episodes, uh, recording with his cat tonight. Luke, what are um, you drinking? 
<laughs> I'm drinking Bundaberg lemon lime and bitters. Uh, no, the the cat got put back outside. She's the uh, the neighborhood stray um, who likes to come in the house and get fed and get petted. But uh, yeah, she's she's a good cat. Her name is Lawrence. Um, yeah, pretty much all I got. Does the cat have hipster drink choices too? Does um, the cat have, you have a, a milk warm sixty-five degrees milk? Uh, no, you don't. You don't warm or feed cats' milk, uh, Patrick. It's bad for their stomach. All right, fine. You, you feed them only the finest and purest of waters from the New York City taps. Uh, hang on a second, Lou. So, what's that kind of cat's milk in a bottle that you get in uh, in grocery stores? I, I haven't seen this. I don't know what it is. It's like a thing. It's like whiskers in the UK. You get these little bottles, and they're like milk for cats. Is that, if you can't give cats milk, is that cats milk? That uh, I presume it's some other kind of uh, protein, because that's mostly what they eat. Protein. And, and I don't think part. you can bottle cats milk. I don't think you can. Someone's like literally got udders. Just isn't yeah. Like isn't milking, milking it like a cow? Yeah, milking a cat isn't that like a an expression for doing something totally useless? <laughs> I don't. I mean, they're, presumably they've got nipples, right? Excuse me, can I? Can someone introduce me, please, while you talk about cat's milk? <laughs> yeah, so, so as at we... least at least talk about football or something. I'm sitting here while you guys are talking about cat's milk. Did you watch the games this week? Cat's milk is about the podcast entire time. <laughs> what are we talking about? This is a diversionary tactic, Paul. We're trying to avoid talking about QPR. As yeah, we, all right, carry as on. As we milk this intro, we will get <laughs> to oh, Patrick nice. Jones. Nice, Patty. <laughs> Are you fully recovered from last night's bout between the New York Red Bull and Chivas, whatever their mascot is? <laughs> it's a goat, actually, their mascot. Right. And you, can, you can milk a goat, apparently. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I've heard that. There's goat cheese. It's pretty good. Yeah. Ch- uh, Chivas means uh, goat, by the way. Oh, does it? Yeah. That's something I. So all night they were singing about goats, and what does puto mean then? Uh, that is not it. a word. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I learned two new words last night. Yeah, that was disappointing last night. Red Bulls went out of the Champions League, the CONCACAF Champions League semi-final, second leg. They limped out to uh, a nil-nil draw against our Mexican fellows. Although it was a very good atmosphere at, uh, at Red Bull Arena, so it was good to be there apart from the football and the results. But yes, thank you for bringing that up, Evan. Anything to drink tonight? Well, um, I want to bit, add a bit of context to what I'm drinking tonight because... I think without it, I'll just get mostly mocked for the rest of my time. So if you've gone to see Sheffield Wednesday um, in a bar at 10 a.m. for probably 30 mornings in the past, I would say, what is it, well, not August, so eight months, um, it's a lot of drinking time you've been doing. And apparently a lot of drinking time, a lot of booze, adds to your... Um, Physique, let's say, shall we? In a certain way around the midriff. So this week, I decided to go on a diet. Uh, so I'm drinking a Michelob Ultra. 95 calories, 2.6 <laughs> carbs, and I've never been so ashamed in my entire life. That's dirty. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, how, how did you say the name of that beer? Michelob, Michelob, Mich- it's just shit. Oh, let's move on oh, before wow. we before we hammer on on Patty's beer. Last but not least, fresh off a spring break trip to the second best city in the world, Chicago, 
Illinois. Paul Owen, Paul. What's your right, drink tonight? I've got myself some goat's milk um, from California. No, I haven't. I've got one of those um, McKellar's again that was still in the fridge. California Dream, the one with the uh, bloke's head open with a woman on a surfboard riding a wave. It's a hoppy pilsner. A happy Pilsner. Perfect. So we have a ton to talk about today. And hopefully you could sense the sarcasm in my voice. Last week, two wins. And this week, back to regular programming with two losses. So we'll talk a little bit about the Fulham and QPR matches. Uh, No interview this week, unfortunately. And not much news. But our favorite part of every show... We will preview Hall. Hmm. So let's get to it. Fulham. What a beautiful, beautiful match. They are in second place in the table just after last night. And, Paul, they were just far and above better than us. Yeah, they were, weren't they? Um, I wrote down in my notes one word. Sesenyong. What a player. Uh, Ryan, that is, not his brother. Because, you know, there's there's Stephen as well, his brother, that signed to Fulham, both of them. Quality uh, defenders, midfielders, wingers. Um, just very, very impressive all around, I thought. But, you know, there's other names that were worth mentioning too, like, you know, the obvious ones like Kearney, Mitrovic. Uh, Johansson stood out for me. Oh, Joe looks brilliant. You know, even McDonald seemed to be having a great game, really sort of throwing his weight around. He's a big guy, getting forward, really kind of messing us up in midfield. I was very impressed. Um, certainly an improvement when we played him at, at their place. And um, I think on the socials, everyone was kind of, you know, sort of unanimously sort of saying, yeah, beaten by a better team. I don't think there was much of a a complaint, really. Um, I think we did well until Bannon went off. I think that was the sort of turning point for us I think whilst he was on the field I think there was a sort of reluctance for them to sort of flood us a bit but but as soon as we lost that kind of uh, kind of guy pulling the levers in the in the midfield I think they uh, they set about us a bit more but um, yeah I think you know for me the, the difference was pace it was clear to see what you can do when you've got some some zip down the wings and some quality uh, quality up front or well, quality all over really wasn't it um their goal was a simple one at the end of the day, wasn't it? Just race down the left to Senyon, popped in a quick cross, Mitrovic, done, 1-0. Um, kind of reminded me of Brighton a bit, really, you know, uh, or maybe Middlesbrough before that a few seasons ago. Just there's that one side that sort of you encounter and think, yeah, you know, that's how you do it. Um, so, yeah, I was very impressed. Well, we, we kind of held our own in the first half, didn't we, Paddy? Yeah, I thought so. I thought we uh, rode a look a little bit. Um Defended quite well with that back three. Um, Bannon was, like I say, running around, sniffing out chances too. It was just there was sloppy passing everywhere, so we couldn't really get anything going. It was just um, really crap going forward. I mean, I thought we um, looked pretty solid. I didn't think we were going to um, concede much in that first half. Um, I thought Poodle did well. I thought Lee did well as well, marshalling his friends. And it just looked like we, we might actually managed to march this to a nil-nil until the second half started, where it kind of changed a bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they had a couple of chances, like the offside goal, which uh, Ojo was, got on the end of, uh, correctly flagged offside uh, from a poor pass from Bannon that time. And then he had that um, 
head of looped off the bar by Ojo too, which was uh, again set up by Sessegnon, who was everywhere as usual. I mean, if he does, he's got to win the uh, player of the season, Sessegnon. He's been fantastic, I think. Um, there's very few people other than maybe Atty knew you that's going to win the uh, player of the season this year. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, so, yeah, I just think they're just a class above, like you said. And um, I'm not really, I wasn't too disappointed at the end of the game. I just thought best team won. We tried to hold our own. We couldn't put anything going forward. And, I mean, this is a team that's not lost in 21 games. Um, the last loss was their 21st game of the season, and it's literally the second half of the season they've lost at all. So we're always going to be uh, up against it. And for me, I said last week, they're the best team in the league, and they showed it. They outshot us 22 shots to zero. That's, <laughs> that's on target that's, at all. Yeah, no, no, that's uh, on target eight to well, eight to zero, of course. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like I was looking at the stats, and I'm just like that. That can't seem right. But it's not right. We had definitely more shots than the, we had. Uh, Reach's shot went wide. It was kind of a shot. Ati had a shot didn't he as well, saved by the keeper after chesting it down. I'm just looking at the stats, man. Don't stat man should be shot. I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe just got and fell asleep. Well, you know, Paul. Paul said it, and uh, James. I think you and I talked about it off. Uh, when we weren't recording, but when Bannon left, it, it really just kind of put us on the back on our back foot, didn't it? I think so. Um, maybe it's my uh, my newly comfortable surroundings of my closet, but I'm I'm not quite as despondent about the Fulham game as maybe some folks have been. Certainly in the kind of the post hoc analysis, um, you know, I thought first half right up to the point where Bannon went off, we we were holding our own. Um, I don't. I don't disagree that Fulham are a class side in the division and, and a class above where Wednesday are right now. And, and there's a few reasons why, which I'll come to in a second. But yeah, I thought Wednesday were containing them fairly well. Um, and I thought that, you know, they seem to have got the tactics just about right. We've had our problems with formation this season. But, you know, Bannon was giving us a little bit of relief in his ability to, to break up play and then distribute in, in a fairly effective way, which which was working well. What, what surprised me was as soon as Bannon... Uh, was forced off. I think it was what about ten minutes before half time. Um, it it just it set the tone for us sitting in and really trying to dig in and defend for the entire game. Which, you know, in fairness to the defence, we repelled most of the attacks and most of the shots that uh, Luke's just uh, counted off for us. Um, it was really only one momentary lapse right toward the end of the second half that that we finally succumbed. I mean, there's no question that the pressure was there, but but I I didn't see it as a game where Wednesday were fundamentally outclassed, just where we didn't have the same verve and the same, uh, the same just individual talent uh, as well as collective drive to to take the game to Fulham. Um, So it it was disappointing to see the way we reacted to losing Bannon and, and probably you know, fell back into quite a lot of the mindset that we've had throughout the whole season, which is that we've got to we've got to try and just kind of scrape our way through this. Luke, you mentioned all those shots. Let's talk about the one that went in. Just uh, they just pressured and pressured and pressured, and then finally, uh, and you knew it was coming, kind of a, as a yeah. Wednesday supporter, you just kind of uh, assume one's going to go in eventually. Yeah, I mean, Mitrovic has nine goals in eleven games, so you know that's. Having a striker who can, who doesn't doesn't miss when the opportunity is played to him, can is the difference between a win and a loss, or a win and a tie, I guess, in this point. But yeah, he's a uh, he's exactly who they need right now, and he's doing a bang up job. And um, I I just want to give a shout out to uh, New York Red Bulls former New York Red Bulls defender uh, Tim Ream for uh, for keeping the hope alive for American players abroad. 
Luke, is that your air horn? Yeah, of course. Was that your cat? (laughs) (laughs) Did you feed it cat's milk? Oh my goodness, okay. Uh, So, before we move on, can anyone here argue the result? No. No. No, not at all. I I wouldn't say that. Atty did really good. I thought Atty had a great game. Uh, He won a lot of headers. Tried to uh, find passes to the, the, the through ball stuff, and he worked his socks off. Um, I know we haven't given him a lot of praise over the last few weeks at New Year, but uh, I think he had a great game. Yeah, yeah, he's been much behind of late, hasn't he? You're right. You're right. Um, Is that he, one of our players? I thought, I thought you're right. He did. Uh, he, he did well as part of front two, which you know, is, but we'll come on to in a second why he works better with uh, with partners than not. But um, you know, just one other comment. I mean, of course. Come on, Evan. Of course, we can't argue that Fulham deserve to win. Um, I mean, frankly, Fulham deserve to go up full stop, um, which will give lots of people in the in the British press, particularly, a lot of satisfaction because they're kind of basically their favourite team because they're based about two yards from all the television studios in London. But uh, not that we're bitter, um, but we are. Um, what I thought was really interesting is just the template that they provided for Wednesday for what we've got to get right. We, um, you know, we've kind of played around and messed around with formation a fair bit, but you just look at the way that Fulham pressed us with their front front three, um, the way that they ran the channels, the way they harried our fullbacks, the way that they, you know, they, they just had pace and flair on the flanks and down the middle. We, we've got to inject that into our side. There's no way you scare and harry teams with the sort of plodding defending and and. Uh, possession approach that we've had the last couple of years we've we've got to we've got to take it to teams um and if we can't see that in front of us then we're going to find it just as hard next year when other teams come down from the prem i i I thought this was interesting that for me the i was looking at the pace and where it's coming from and um it's actually fredericks and uh sessignon who were who were defenders you know they're probably the fastest two on the field um you know blistering pace down the wings you know Playing the overlaps, you know, and I, th- I was just thinking that, you know, if you, if we could find some some defenders like that, you know, not not the ones we've got to pl- you know to play out wide with with someone like Reem uh, and and that that um, Callas, I think it was Thomas Callas who came on a bit later on, real no no messing defenders in the middle, real big big guys, you know, I think that's a kind of a model for a defence you need, and I wonder if Joss is you know is is probably looking at that and thinking that's that's his kind of a uh, you know model for the, that system that he was playing, which was a mystery to me, but I think when you've got quality like Fulham have got, you can play a system like that really effectively. Well, they're a little bit faster in the fullback position than George Boyd playing as left wing back. That's for sure. Um, I mean, and, and that, that's right. not a knock against Boyd. I thought Boyd had a perfectly acceptable game on uh, on Saturday against Fulham. He's yeah, he's got a, a certain deftness of touch, and he and he links the play very nicely. And the the goal that we had disallowed for quote unquote air quotes offside, um, you know, he linked up really well to to set that one up. But it. He, he's no Cessignon, is he? You know, he's just not electric with pace. I mean, to be fair, he's about twice as old as Cessignon, so that's no no great surprise. He's certainly got about three times as much hair. Um, but we, we've got to ask those questions, Paul. Um, you know, it, it, what is very clear is if you look at our squad right now, you compare it to the Fulham squad of last year when they were a cut above us, if we're honest, um, and this year where they're a light year ahead of us, we've got to change the squad and we've got to be looking at players like that to try and... Uh, to try and get us up. I mean, Cessignon's an exception. He's he's a Premier League player playing in the Championship, but but you know the others you've listed are the type of examples we've got to bring into our squad. I don't think uh, Fulham were cut above us last year. I think we were pretty even actually. Uh, we finished higher than them, and they flopped in the playoffs as we did. But I think I, on I think on paper and on the field we were 
just as good as them. You see, the, the reason I say that, Paddy, is I think over the balance of the season, you're probably fair, but the the last probably 15, 16 games, I mean, if you remember, they, they came at the second half of the season at an absolute canter. You know, they, they were really the class side in the championship post-Christmas last year. And yeah, I mean, they, they fouled up in the playoffs like us, but they made us look pretty ordinary in the game at Hillsborough, you know, albeit after we secured playoff qualification and set back a little bit. I just... I just think that they had something else in in Kearney, in Cessignon, in kind of the way they were playing, the confidence they were playing with. Wednesday never seemed to exhibit that same sort of confidence and flair as they did in the second half of last season. And the, they've certainly kicked on this year, despite a really patchy start. Um, uh, you know, albeit that Wednesday had a patchy start and then kicked backwards as opposed to onwards. And now we move on to QPR. Where we started with a four, two, three, one. I'm just trying to get my numbers right here. And yeah, four, two, three, one, which really resulted in the worst opening fifteen minutes of the seasons, didn't it, James? <laughs> um yes, in a word, Evan. So it, before the game, right? I, I was I was on uh, parental duty, so I was looking after my uh, my two little nippers. It was my uh, my youngest's first birthday, so I was kind of over, overseeing things in preparation for a bit of jelly and ice cream. And um, we were chatting, you know, with the Wednesday nights in the background about how um, the team had been announced. You know, was it going to be a a four three three? Were we going to play it as a three five two with uh, with finally getting reach at left wing back and Palmer at right wing back? Just for you, Evan. Just for you. Um, and someone said, oh, no, over on Al's talk, they're saying he's going to set it up as a four-two-three-one, which we all know is Joss's favoured formation, right? And uh, I think I said something along the lines of, there's no chuffing way he's going to play his four-two-three-one for the first time this season with that team, you know, with David Jones in the middle uh, alongside Pelopessi with, uh, with Palmer on the pitch, with Jordan Thornley. He only went and bloody set up that way, didn't he? Um, and when are we going to learn that... that you know, a basic four four two four at the back formation does not work with these players. Um, that that first fifteen was some of the most catastrophic and god awful defending I've seen all season, and that includes all the Wednesday games that have gone before this. I mean, we we had like a a, a typology of all the goals that we're really good at conceding. You know, the uh, the clearance from the keeper that falls straight to someone in the box and nobody closes them down. Goal number one. Uh, the uh, the shot uh, taken at pace where they burst into the defence, take the, take the shot, and then no one follows up the rebound. Goal number two, and then the floated ball to the back post to the uh, the striker ghosting in behind all of ours just to nod it into an open net. Goal number three, and that was 15 minutes in. I went to uh, I went to blow up balloons and uh, and finish making a cake at that point. I've got to be honest. I want to see a Wednesday week montage. You know, they're doing a lot of videos at the moment Wednesday week. I want to see a Wednesday week montage. If you listen to this, where has been the social videos on Wednesday week, do a montage of every goal we've conceded at the back post this season because I think it's happened at least once a game. Sometimes even more than that. It's just like, it'll be an hour long, this video, because it happens so often and it's so frustrating. It was just so easy. Just floats over to the back post. Oh, it was there on his own. Simple goal. How can they keep doing this? How can they not learn from their mistakes? I, I would watch that only if it's set to the music that they use for the uh, in memoriam at the Oscars. That like, really <laughs> sweeping, like slow, orchestral. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace, the Wednesday defense. <laughs> so I, I snuck out of work to watch this one, um, or at least to watch the start of it. Right. So I, I had my, my phone and I was kind of in a corner watching and, they score a goal. Ah, shoot. They score another one. Ah, this sucks. 
shit. And then I put my phone down for a second to look around the corner to make sure my boss wasn't coming or anything. And I looked back down, back down, and they were celebrating a third goal. And so I turned it off, jumped on Twitter, and Pat, Patty, you were uh, you were loving it as much as I was. I think. I think uh, your, your exact tweet. I quote, ha 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 ha. Yeah, that's as much as I can muster. I mean, at that point, you've got to laugh at how bad we are, isn't it? I mean, it's not an important game. It's an embarrassment. That's just, that's for sure. But when you've had embarrassment on embarrassment on embarrassment throughout this season, you just got to laugh. And um, I did laugh. I mean, uh, there's some comedy things happening here. The first thing I loved was the fact that their QPR goal theme, every time they scored a goal, was that um, pig bag song that goes, duh, 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 duh. Fucking useless, da, 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 like that. So I thought that was funny. I thought, that, I thought they were trolling us quite a lot with that, that goal th- uh, song. That wasn't trolling us, though. That is just chuffing annoying. Honestly, <laughs> what sort of tin pot club has to play a goal theme every time they score a bloody goal? I, yeah, And then what sort of utterly useless bunch of feckless idiots concede four goals against said tin pot club, so we have to listen to that chuffing annoying goal theme four times? I mean, it's so apt. I mean, why, first of all, why are QPR using that for every goal, which is like uniformly used across every single ground in the English league to say fucking useless? But apparently that's their celebratory tune. Uh, but actually it was very apt when we were obviously 4 down. We had to hear it four times in a row, so that made me laugh. And it just it was just awful. I mean, there was nothing at all. Um, well, it's not nothing at all, right? Because I actually thought we had some good spells going forward. It's like the opposite of the Fulham game. We defended well against Fulham and couldn't offer anything going forward. Whereas uh, on Tuesday's game, we actually put some nice moves together going forward When the, in the short time when we were actually in the final third of the opposition's half. Um, and we looked quite neat and tidy. Just the back was such an absolute shit show. It didn't matter what we did going forward. It was just not enough. And Paul, you seem to be the... Uh, out of this group, you seem to be the biggest critic of bad football. Right, especially the American game. If you if you go to Paul's Twitter and look through his feed, uh, and you and you like the American game, you're in for a real treat. Um, so, Paul, what what do you think of the um, the strategy of waiting until you're down four zero to start playing? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? We 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 seem to be um, kind of advocates of that, don't we? The slow start school of. Uh... Uh, strategy for winning and losing football games. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm going to be an optimist though because it was an absolute shit show the first 15, you know, and I've looked at all of their goals and kind of picked them apart and you got lots of sloppy defending, a lot of lazy defending. Uh, I think Wildsmith had, had a bit of a nightmare for the first two. Um, unfortunately, could have done a little bit better. But, but you know, I thought I'd be, a, be the optimist and say that actually after that first 15 minutes, we won the game. We beat them. We were the better team. We had the better chances. Uh, we, 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 our possession at the end of the game was nearly 60%. You know, most of that was coming in the, in the second half. You know, and I think... I looked looked at the second half in a bit more detail, and um, I think there's some great shots, some good moves. You know, Fessy coming back made a big difference. I think Joey P is like really finding his kind of dead ball kind of range a lot now. Some good good quality corners coming in, fizzing them in low and hard. I think it's it's getting better. Um, you know, Reach had a good uh, shot on the 20 minute mark. Was very unlucky. Um, Fessy then uh, there was that great great moment where Fessy kind of. Um, 
kind of had, took the ball away from goal, kind of fakes, turns, chips and onto Dave's chest. Remember that one? It dropped onto his left foot and forced a quality save from Smithers. That was a that was a good moment. And then, of course, the goals. I mean, I think the, the two goals were the best of the entire game. I think Fess's goal was quality. Um, you know, Big Dave's goal was too as well. You know, I think there's stuff in there looking at looking at how we were playing. There's little moments where, you know, maybe it is is showing signs of coming together. And, you know, you can only kind of uh, think, you know, what if, can't you? Um, because I think that we've got the quality. It's just pulling it together. Even even bloody Mateus looked sharp when he came on. Lovely that one touches. Movement was quality. You know, provided a bit more tempo. So, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, we kind of, we kind of, you know, had our ass kicked, but... I think there was some good stuff in there, so I'm going to give, I'm going to give us a little bit of a. <laughs> what the hell is going on? That's the, that's the British version of Luke's. That's the, the British air horn. Let's do it again. That's like a, that's like a sad clown's bike. I'm going to keep on applauding this, Paul, uh, for your valiant attempt to try and find something positive out of the absolutely carbon. No, but come on. He's, he's absolutely right, though, because they, you know, 4-0 down, they could have absolutely collapsed and, like, spent the entire rest of the game just what? passing the ball along the back line trying to avoid conceding again. And they didn't. They went out and got two yeah, pretty good goals. But there's a big but, right, which is... It's pretty easy to start playing when you're three 0 down, and the opposition has basically said, "Oh, that's a pretty good job done. We're uh, we're home and dry, and we've only had to expend 15 minutes of energy." I'm I, I'm not for a minute saying that we didn't turn things up and do a little bit better after the third goal went in. I think you know there was there was definitely some nice passages of play, and, and the goals were good, and everything that you just said, Paul. Don't disagree with it, but I don't think you're playing against a level set opposition. You know, that's not a QPR that are hungry for the game and kind of diving into every challenge they're, they're sort of sitting back and going well okay we've done our bit um you got anything come on then come on show us see, see what we can do yeah I mean, I you can only you can only play what's put in front of you and so yeah I... but we we just got toyed around with by qpr and it, it, here's my objection right to the to the, the positive spin there it's not it's not to decry what you're saying i think that's fair analysis of the way we played in the circumstances it's the a wednesday team that we know are capable of much better individually and we know at times have been better of have been capable of much better collectively. Just put in one of the most abhorrent defensive performances in a season of consistent defensive abhorrent performances that we've seen in a long time. And and where, where I'm going with all of this is you know, part of um, the thing of having a kid is you you know when they reach one year old you you kind of look back and you go bloody hell that was a long year and you you, you think about what happened twelve months ago. So I, I was looking at photos of the uh, the weekend our youngest was born. And the Saturday immediately before the Monday when he turned up was um, was the game we played against Newcastle at home at Hillsborough last season, where we uh, we beat them two one, right? And you know, massive game for us, absolutely top of our form from from last season. You know, pretty much kind of cemented us in the playoffs. And how on earth have we gone from that performance at Hillsborough against Newcastle, who were expected to run away with the league, to? just the abysmal turnout of this season in 12 months and I'm, I'm afraid I just can't I can't accept that performances are okay here and there I've got to ask a fundamental question of why are these players unable to consistently turn out decent performances and what is it about the management slash coaching structure that cannot seem to find a formula that, that cohesives them in, in any sort of or in a normal manner um, and I come back to my opening point I get that Joss likes four two three one, but with these players, that was just a, a suicidal decision in terms of, of setting up the team, and we, we paid the price. 
no sound effect. <laughs> no, I, I, I was trying to, but it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> so, um, I think it's a fair question, right? Uh, we've talked a lot this year about injuries, and maybe maybe we can talk about or point to the fact that we're, we're starting to insert some of those old injured players, um, you know, Fessy now in the lineup. And how often – I'm not sure how often he's ever played with New Hiu, um, really. And I guess he, he's had some work with Zhao. But, you know, there's just – it just seems like there's a lot of combinations that are um, different than, than what we're used to. And, you know, hopefully <laughs> – Hopefully next year we start with a full squad and we just cruise through the league, right? I mean, that's that's what we're all hoping for. I just think there's some massive changes needed in defence. Um, I think we've, we can paper over it with the, the putting three people back there and that seems to work because sheer amount of numbers. Um, but we need someone big and strong and someone like, you say, like, like the Kalas guy or, or Tim Ream that's just going to marshal that defence if we do go to a back four. And like like Paul said about the Fulham guys, some pace on the wings. Um, uh, so it's just I think that whole back four needs an overhaul, or most of it at least. And I just don't know where the funds are coming from to do that. So we will take a quick break, and when we come back, it's Wednesday news and a hall preview. So we pick back up with some Wednesday news and some mixed reactions to this news, but George Hurst potentially being bought by Man United, or not bought, but uh, signing with Man United this summer. What's the mixed reactions here? I'm I'm surprised that, uh, I mean, we knew it was coming, first of all, so it's not a surprise. And second of all, uh, I like James is off, off off the course now. I kind of am happy a little bit for him. So, I mean, if he's going to go anywhere, at least try and right the wrongs maybe of his father's career, even though we want him to stay. It's not going to happen, is it, by the looks of it? So why not go to Man United? For uh, those of our listeners who might not know the full story, Patty, do you want to give us a uh, quick recap? Uh, David. So he was caught by Man United, wasn't he? And I think they offered, was it a million pound they offered? James probably knows the uh, full details here. A million? Uh, it was four and a half million in 1992, which would have been um, a lot of money in those days. Um, if you think that we, uh, what was our, our rec- record signing still back then was about 500k. So that, that that was a lot of money, you know, pre-Premier League days. And it all didn't work out, which is why Mr. Hurst Sr. has been um, probably one of the loudest voices in George's ear for him to hold the contract talks and uh, not to progress them until he's heard what other offers on the table. And it sounds like um, if it's Man United, that's probably the main reason Mr. Hurst Sr. has been doing that, because clearly he's got some uh, regrets of his own career. If he can live vicariously through his uh, protege, then uh, fair play to him. It's kind of, I I think what I was saying kind of in in the break was, I don't want George Hurst to leave Sheffield Wednesday. 
you know, he's he's a great prospect. He's got the name, you know, the, there's, there's the romantic side of every Wednesday night that wants to see him banging goals in a Sheffield Wednesday shirt, right? But with everything that's happened, it's pretty obvious that uh, barring a miracle of uh, of uh, kind of rehabilitating the relationship, he's off in the summer. And, and you know, we've got to wish him well and hope that he gets a good deal somewhere and, and also that Wednesday get fair recompense for hopefully the, the player he's going to become. So if he's got to go anywhere... Wouldn't it kind of be beautiful for him to end up in a Manchester United shirt with Hurst emblazoned on the back and and kind of that that dream to be fulfilled? Because if you listen to the way David Hurst talks about it, you know, I think for many years he didn't exhibit any bitterness about the fact that he didn't go to to Man United. You know, I think he, he said he was happy with what he'd achieved and and what he'd done in his career. It's only the last couple of years it's really kind of come out that he he sort of had some status regrets. I think about just not seeing it through that, you know, that cashier being a Manchester United and England forward. And, and who knows, maybe, you know, his career would have taken a slightly different turn without the uh, abysmal ankle injury suffered thanks to Steve Bold. So you, you can kind of forgive him that, that, that thought and, and kind of wish the best for George. I'd rather he went there than Everton and languished in the reserves there or, uh, or God forbid the Leeds Academy, you know? On another note, Bannon should be healthy this weekend for Hall. It, it was kind of uh, it was kind of strange, but something I really appreciate, you know, is just transparency on the injury front and and having him tweeting out what's going on. You know, I'm going in for testing. It might be okay. Hey, test negative. I'm back. You know, the, I kind of like that from from players. We didn't see that over Carlos's reign, did we? He was very guarded about injuries. So I wonder if that was something that he told his players not to mention as well on social media. So it's definitely been more transparent from Joss, but like I say, seeing it from the players too, it's just very refreshing and a lot more uh, less worrisome nights, I suppose, when Bannon announced that on Twitter. So fair play to him. It was quality, wasn't it? The, the tweet about you know about his injury being really open, and then did you see the kind of banter between him and Bullen afterwards on Twitter? It was so funny. Yeah, great. Talking about having a scrap, it was really fun to watch. I was thinking. You know, this is not what we've been used to recently. You know, you've got your assistant kind of manager, coach, having a bit of banter with one of the star players on live on Twitter. It was great. It was a real refreshing change. And in even better news, all Wednesday shirts are 50% off at the store. Do you think that's that's because they realized they had charged way too much at the start? I think it's well, it's something they should have done last year too, uh, and a lot of people complained about it. So it's something that most clubs do, uh, and it's the least they can do for the absolute balls up this season has been for both on the pitch and off the pitch. So uh, yeah, not not unexpected, but um, totally appreciated. I'll tell you what, though, for me, for me, you can. I, I wish somebody had enough money to buy up all the yellow and black away shirts, <laughs> stuff them on a fucking big bonfire and burn them. I can't stand that shirt. It's done nothing for us at all. I think we've lost every time we bloody played in it, probably, and I can't stand it. And it was making me furious at the weekend, just watching us piss about with that shirt on. I, honestly, I can't stand it. I, I can't wait to see the back. And you know it. In you know, in years to come, we'll look back and just cringe when we see that shirt. You just know now it's going to be a classic, but not for any good reasons. I can't stand it; it makes me angry. Paul, do you prefer it with the black shorts or the gold shorts? 
Look like bananas when they wear the yellow. I can't stand it. It's like mouldy bananas with those yellow shorts. <laughs> Just burn them. We should have a whip. We should have a whip round and buy them. Tell all you what. Let, let's have a quick round them. of. Here's what Paul thinks. So, uh, so Paul, <laughs> let's. Um... Let's just throw a few random things at you and uh, and see what you think. So, um, Sheffield Wednesday third strip. Quite like it. It's nice. Oh, Sheffield Wednesday home strip. Yeah, I, I, I was excited, but executionally, it was it was a bit weak. Champ series crest design. Yeah, it's quality. I love it. it matches my tattoo, which I had before the club club chose it as the logo. You know that story, right? I had, I did some research and I wanted a quality historic crest from our past. Did some research, found it, had it tattooed on my arm. And then two weeks later, one of my mates who was a Forest fan pointed out I should go and check out the homepage. And I go there and Chancery has announced it's our new bloody logo. I didn't want the new logo, the current logo. I wanted a historic logo. And now I've got the new logo on my arm, which is... Which raises the question, Paul. What was what were you doing that Dayfon Chancery saw your exposed flesh right. in, the, uh, in the couple of weeks after you had a tattoo done? He's a big fan of cat milk, so I took him <laughs> around. <laughs> you weren't knocking around in Evan's sex dungeon, were you? <laughs> I know, I didn't know. Did you notice Evan's microphone changed? I think he's moved to his, his sex basement, haven't you? I'm I'm still confused. Where, where did you come up with this idea that I had a sex basement? We've seen pictures of it. You did it up. Yeah, yeah and then you you visit other people's sex basements, don't you? And you go <laughs> the Ohio a hundred miles to drive, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do have quite a network of sex basements here in the, the great state of Ohio. Um, but I, I'm not. Other than a map, there's a website for this. No, it sounds it's like pretty a pretty secret, actually. It brings a whole new meaning to the phrase "escape the room." <laughs> yeah, that's true. The Ohio yeah. sex, the Ohio sex basements must be one of the most underrated NHL teams. <laughs> yes. Yep. That uh, it's quite an issue for us. Um, Let's do a wow. bit of a, a, a kind of check where we are at the moment. So we've got uh, Evan in a sex basement, uh, James in a closet. Luke's milking cats. Uh, Paul's just angry, and I've got and there's a fat lad drinking Michelob Ultra. I've got. So it's, uh, I've, well, well done, everyone today. I've got the horn. <laughs> you have got the horn. <laughs> Sad clown horn. I've really got the horn tonight, boys. Paul, I'm, I'm glad that it's you that's got the horn because I've got an extended boom on. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is going to kill us. Oh, I do. I do have one more question for you. Uh, uh, what does Paul uh, think? Uh, before we uh, move on to our last bit of news, what do you think of Chancery's form in Zorb? Oh yeah, it was good, wasn't it? I wish yeah. I, I, I Wait, was hoping he was going to actually get in one. You kind of like sorry, I missed this. What is this? It's it. Zorbs. They were all, who were they? Was it the players? We, we call yeah, it family fun day, wasn't it? We call it, it knockerbocker day. here in the United States. <laughs> oh, you yeah. call it what? That's when you use them in your sex basement. Yeah, These yeah. weren't the sex basement zorbs. <laughs> Get the knockerbockers out. Get your knockerbockers out. <laughs> Why does Evan continue to lie to us? You call them knockerbockers in where? Because <laughs> it isn't the great state of Ohio, is it? Because everyone in the world calls it zorbing. No, it's, it's knockerbocker. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, this country. Oh, Sometimes. 
Evan, have you ever seen It's a Knockabout? No. I think that might be something for you to Google in the basement later on. You'll love it. It's a knockout, yeah. That's thank you, Paul. I'm I'm not I'm not old enough to remember it. Uh, Okay. Um. Anyway, it's a funny video. Look it up, guys in big inflatable balls running around Hillsborough and Chancery coming onto the pitch and attempting to hit one of them with his full body and it uh didn't go too well. He could he could use some weights. Oh boy. Next Kieran Westwood got a little vocal on Twitter in responding to Laura Jones's tweet. Laura said I don't disagree with any of that which is just a response to Alan Biggs, but she mentioned that it'd be sad to lose Westwood, but he's been injury-prone for two seasons, and we have two good young keepers in the squad. Kieran Westwood's response was, injury-prone? Very harsh. My Sheffield Wednesday career to date consists of 144 league games in four seasons, 52 clean sheets, two Player of the Seasons award, season awards, and one Team of the Year award. But he was very kind in saying that we all have different opinions. That's the beauty of football and media. But you have to be right. Salty. How salty was that, eh? Yeah, savage. It was a great response. I loved it. He's got kind of a point, though. Yeah, it's articulate, but he's got a point. Like he's, I don't know about injury prone. He's had a rough go this year, obviously. But uh, I don't think he's been out for extended periods of time otherwise. Yeah, I mean, he's not been necessarily been out for extended periods of time. He has been repeatedly injured over the last couple of seasons, not not for anything like the period he's been out recently. I mean, I, I think what's what's fascinating about the whole thing is is the articulate way he responded and you know put his side of the argument and kind of defended his own corner. Which, let's be honest, you know, how often do you see a player actually able to do that without kind of getting dragged into a, a sort of slanging match? Um, and also. You know, the provocation wasn't really that that strong. I mean, you know, Laura was just simply expressing an an opinion, a fan's opinion. Um, you know, it wasn't a fact based assessment, um, and um, yeah, probably one that's shared by quite a lot of Wednesdayites. Into you know, we're, we're kind of at this point, aren't we? We know we've got to reconstitute the squad. We know we don't have a lot of saleable assets. It's a compliment to to Kieran Westwood that we we see him as somebody who, you know, probably would fetch a good price on the the open market right now. So, uh, really interesting debate. Um, I just I'd love to see him back in the side. It's no disrespect to to Joe Wildsmith. I think he's an excellent, excellent keeper. He's got a wonderful prospect and future ahead of him. I just think there's something about Westwood's sort of uh, chutzpah, to borrow a, a phrase from the New York area. Um, he's just got a bit of character, a bit of kind of uh, yeah, bugger the loss of you about him. I think we need that. I think, I think you need to roll your your R a little bit more. It's chutzpah. <laughs> Thinking of saleable assets, right? So we talked with. Um, Wildsmith up quite a lot, and he's obviously hopefully caught the attention of other clubs during this period. Do you think we could get near the amount for Wildsmith as he's younger than we would for Westwood and keep Westwood for a bit longer? Would you rather do that, let's say? If it, say they were equally worth four million quid each. Well, you keep, no, keep Joe. Yeah, yeah, you keep, keep Joe. Yeah, if you get if you get more for the younger guy, then maybe, but. So we're looking at someone. We're looking at short term, pretty much now, because I mean, we're trying to get promoted ASAP, 
I think Westwood's a better keeper than Wildsmith. Um, I think he's less error-prone. Um, You've also got Dawson as well, because Dawson's not, not half bad either. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'm not saying we could get the same amount of money for Wildsmith, but if, if the form he's been in this season, it's not out of the question. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think uh, I don't I don't know if Westwood is that much better than Wildsmith. Where you know if if Joe's gonna get three million more than Wild, or, sorry, if Joe's gonna get three more, three million more than Westwood, then yeah, gotta get rid of him. But I think they they'd probably get about the same amount right now. And I think you want to stick with the guy that that's younger and will will stick around longer. So in many many respects, it's not a really a fair bargain, is it? Because we're trading off all the wrong things. You know, in in Wildsmith, we've got a keeper who we want to educate and we want to build to to being one of the best young keepers in the country. In Westwood, we have a keeper who is right at the top of his game when he's fit, and and we need to get the best out of him in the next couple of years. So, I, it pains me to say, and I, I know that you know we've talked at length about the financial pressures on the club. I, I just don't think this is an area we should be looking for for revenue in i think goalkeepers are hard to come by good goalkeepers and you know, here's just an observation one observation on the difference between the two because joe wildsmith has done a tremendous job this season improving his worth as a stand-in and, and a future first choice he's a great shot stopper and he made uh, both both games that we're talking about today fulham and qpr there's some instances where he made some tremendous saves my only complaint would be he just doesn't have the command of his area and he doesn't have the presence yet of a kieran and westwood the way that Westwood will, you know, at times he'll rush out of his goal with his uh, his blood up to his eyeballs and, uh, and and make a hash of it. But the majority of times he commands that area with a, a certain purpose and sort of gives confidence to the back five, back four, whoever it is in front of him that I just haven't yet seen from Wildsmith. Um, and I'd, I'd love to see him learn from Westwood over the course of a couple more seasons because he's definitely got those in him, get us to the premiership and then, then you know, let him take over the mantle as, uh, as Westwood gracefully retires having played 500 games for Wednesday or whatever it is. I think you're right. I think, I think um, for me, Wildsmith's got a, a, an incredible reactionary save in him. You know, when it, when it's happening in that, in that split second, he reacts so quickly. Uh, and I think many of our, you know, the sort of highlights from him this season will, are those kind of reactionary saves, but you, you're right that there's a, there's a, there's a little gap in his, his technical kind of focus. And, you know, like we were just saying, a couple of goals, I think, um, that QPR scored were kind of largely on his his errors. Uh, he does have that mistake in him that Westwood doesn't have, um, uh, and I think that you know the, the kind of commanding leadership will come as he as he you know as he gets a bit older, a bit more confident to uh, do what Westwood does really well for me, which is just bellow at everyone from behind. You know, he's 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 always in control. Westwood uh, marshalling from uh, between the sticks, but I was just thinking actually. Who was our worst keeper recently? I think we've just had a, just generally over the years, we've had good keepers, haven't we? I don't know who the worst would be. Grant, was he, was he the worst? But he was quite good. He continues yeah. to do quite well. So I don't yeah, know. I don't, was all right. right, we've always had good keepers, haven't we? Weaver. Even, even Bywalkland. Ola Tidman. <laughs> That's a good point. Let's see how far we can go back uh, before we hit okay. a crap keeper. Pavel Cernicek, <laughs> Chris Woods, Flying Potato, 
he was to good. be fair, Chris Wood wasn't quite as good as we made out. I mean, he was England's number one and all the rest England's of it. number I, one. I will never, <laughs> ever forgive him for the way he basically grabbed that ball at Wembley and threw it back into his own bloody net. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Chris Woods, but so, you're, you're forever yeah. going to be judged for me on that basis because I saw it in slow motion and it still kills me to this day. So are you saying Chris Woods has been our worst keeper in the, uh, in the recent generation? No. no. <laughs> for that reason alone, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a worse keeper, actually. It's a really good question. We, we, we've been blessed, haven't we? We've had some absolutely cracking keepers at the yeah. club. Uh, if, over if you're, the course listening, of... if you're <laughs> listening right now and you can think of the worst keeper, tweet us at Owls Americas. We'd love to hear from you. So let's move <laughs> on. It is. It's, it's Lee Bullen. Lee Bullen was the worst keeper we had in go. Oh, oh, he, yeah. keep he didn't let one in, did he? No, he keeps no, the but... He, was he, great. he was a legend. He was a legend. That 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 cold Tuesday night at Millwall, wasn't it? It was he was yeah. a legend. One of our best you goalkeepers. You can't blame any of our standing goalkeepers. They've been absolutely fantastic. Well, I think I found one. Go on. I think it, Bill Allen, eighteen ninety one to eighteen ninety seven. absolute dog shit. <laughs> How many goals did he have? Shouldn't say that. I, I shouldn't say that, should you? I don't know. He don't, <laughs> it shit. says he. He um he didn't score any goals though. That's what it says here. He, he um <laughs> harsh KPI. He played, he played 116 games in uh, six years. Yeah, dog shit. So we've got to go back to 1891 to find our worst goalkeeper. Hang on, I've, I've I've got one for you, Paul. I've got I've got a question for you here. What's oh, yeah. the uh, what's the worst Sheffield Wednesday goalkeeper shirt we've ever had? Um, I'm I'm going to offer you a couple. Uh, let's let's go with the 1993-94 home goalkeeper shirt, the Puma King one. Uh, yeah. The 1993-1994 away goalkeeper shirt, the uh, the kind of purple, green, and pink one. Yeah. And uh, the 1993-1994 uh, black and grey Puma King goalkeeper shirt. Any any thoughts? Oh, I don't know. I just remember seeing some more Chris Woods with his with his kind of eighties haircut, with his like bat bat wing shirts with like patterns on them that looked like they should be on the side of a battleship or something. It was just awful fashion, wasn't it? It was like fashion crossed over into into kind of football shirts, and the goalies just looked like idiots, like clowns. If you're listening right now. And you can think of the worst goalkeeper shirt Sheffield Wednesday have ever had. Tweet us at Owls Americas. Jeff doesn't do this stuff, does he? Jeff doesn't do the social stuff like this. He does. I, mean, See, I, yeah. know, I was just thinking. See, that's, that's, that's why Evan is the king of socials. That's what a master's Listen. degree from, from Syracuse University does. It's all about communication for me. Yes, Jeff. What <laughs> master's degree do you have, eh? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, Jeff. <Fired>. Leaf blowing. Leaf <laughs> blowing. Flag, flag raising, right? BSC leaf blowing, beard cultivating. I have tried, yeah. like I have tried multiple times to move on to our hall preview and <laughs> failed miserably each time. So let's finally do it, James. Anything, anything to say here? Well, I'm I'm going to take you back to December of uh, of 2017 when I. Uh, uh, I, I did the whole preview and then was roundly criticised by an irate podcaster from Sheffield by the name of Marriott, who uh, who challenged me to do a uh, to do a duel uh, on the uh, on the Middlesbrough preview, 
and, uh, and then we ended up talking about financial fair play over the course of about four hours. So um, I've got to be careful what I say in the next 30 seconds or so. We, we, we pretty much talked about Holt. I mean, let's be honest, I was easy on it. It's the back of beyond. It's nowhere. It's an absolutely god-awful place. And no matter how much they try and dress it up as a city of culture or having a nice aquarium, it's still an absolute bang-up, awful place to spend time in England. So if you're American, you go to England, don't get a hole. Um, Wednesday I have to go down the M62 literally to the far end past the Humber Bridge all the way down to uh, to the ferry docks to uh, to take the long route to Europe and um, and play Hull on uh, on Saturday at the KC Stadium which is practically well it's, it's a rugby stadium that doubles as an occasional football ground it's uh, it's a soulless place um, and uh, and we have to play Hull City who've been a sort of I don't know nemesis I guess over the last few years for for various reasons most notably the the playoff final but even back that game in December we uh, we can try to score some of the uh, the well sorry to concede some of the most absolutely ridiculous goals that we've conceded all season even more ridiculous probably than we conceded against QPR this week I I refer you to the 94th minute equaliser for 2-2 that that had us all uh, gasping for despair um yeah I don't want to talk about Hull Evan, it's much more interesting to talking about Paul's views on uh, on dodgy goalkeeper shirts, or even saying, "Paul, what do you think about Hull?" Yeah, that was good. After five minutes of talking about Hall, you ended with, "I really don't want to talk about Hall." Appreciate that. Does anyone have any comments on Paul? <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got a football comment. Is that because Hull? you you've um, highlighted? Is that is that why you've highlighted part of the agenda? What have I? Oops. <laughs> Oh no, that was a mistake. Sorry. Go go on. No, uh, so um, the the comment is um, their form is quite quite terrifying when you look about look back at their most recent results. They drew with Wolves, smashed um, QPR four nil, smashed Burton five nil, and now we're playing them. It doesn't sound good, does it? If we go four two three one, we are screwed. Now, right. So yeah, I'm not I'm not very uh, hopeful for this one at all. Now, just want to get a tenth of season now, burn them yellow shirts, and be done with it all. <laughs> all right. Well, Patty, do we have any hall meetups this week? I think you can call it that. I'm sure I'll be there on my own, drinking Michelob Ultra in Football Factory on Saturday morning. But um, I don't think I'm, uh, I'm I'm coming, Patty. I'll be there. Ah, oh, thanks, mate. Oh, I'd be lovely to see you. Yeah, bring that. <laughs> Party time. So I come down to New York, we'll fact you. Uh, Paul's got a horn. Uh, I will also have the horn when it's early in the morning. <laughs> um, there's nothing else. There's no other meetups. Uh, Jamie had to cancel his. Yeah, they're both working that uh, organise it there. So if you want to meet up for Hull, then good on you, really, because, I mean, it's going to be shit. <laughs> nice one. Nice promotion, Paddy. I've had enough, mate. I've had enough. This re- we really are hanging on for the end of the season, aren't we? I mean, we are, aren't we? We're spending oh, more time talking about cat's milk and trying to basically dissuade people from coming to watch the games. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know who we need to talk to again? We need to get our San Diego Owls guy back on. We need to get him on. Yeah. He's, he really picks up the tone and get down to that beach. Talk Let's about his beach back. a bit more. If you're listening, Neil, come on next week and cheer us all up, please. I wonder if the I wonder if the megastore is going to have some new towels for beach season. I hope so, because in my new place, I've got a pool. I'll tell you that. You can't come around for a pool pie. Yeah, yeah. Have you? Well, it's what not my jersey? pool. It's a shared pool. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> you mean you got a big bath? All right. <laughs> it's Mark Puddle. Well, that's going to do it for today's podcast.
Thank you all for listening. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave as many reviews as you can. <laughs> Jeff's so good at this part, and I'm not. Uh, he's, like, got it memorized. It's perfect. But, uh, yeah, you can find the podcast pretty much anywhere that podcasts are available. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, etc., etc. Patty is in New York, and Patty, <laughs> where can people find you on the web? In New, in New York. All right. Uh, this is so polished, Evan. I love it. Um, I am being found across the web, but mainly on Twitter, Paddy A. Jones, <laughs> so, as Evan tells me to F off online, um, and New York Owls on Twitter, and on Facebook as NYSWFC, um, and just everywhere, just just Google me. James is in Manhattan, and he's not in his closet anymore. He had to run off and take care of the kids. So you can find him at Manhattan Owl on Twitter. And I hope he has a wonderful night. Luke is also somewhere in New York. Luke, where can we find you on the web? Uh, you can find me um, on a new Twitter stream. For our American fans, it's SuperBowls.com. And for our British fans, it's the Superb Owls. Uh, sorry, not SuperBowls.com. It's just Super Bowls. The Super Bowls. I'm really that a joke you had from two months ago for Super Bowl, Luke, you just got into using. No, no, I, I created the Twitter account about six months ago and never used it. And I finally decided to split off like my football-related stuff from my non-football-related stuff. Oh, really? So you've actually got a new Twitter handle called Super Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, oh. super, the super Bowls. You know, <laughs> the joke works. I think you might be pronouncing it wrong. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So Super Bowls at Super Bowls on Twitter. The and Super Bowls. Paul is also somewhere in New York when he's not in Chicago. Paul, where can we find you on the web? Um, only on um, Twitter because um, I don't use Facebook, never have. I'm very happy to see Zuckerberg going down. I'm at the Wednesday on Twitter being being angry about the state of US soccer generally. And I am Ohio Owl on Twitter, also not on Facebook anymore. Just got rid of that account. And happy to be in the same boat as Paul. This has been Owl's Americast, and I hope for your sake, Jeff is back next week. <laughs> Bye! but she's become very tractable in the past couple of months she just loves pets you're playing with someone else's striker that's a striker all right sorry kitty i gotta go